You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call, as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers drop yet another game to the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. That is five in a row to Rutgers as they win 66-63 to on a three-pointer by Ron Harper Jr. in the final seconds of the game. Indiana was not able to answer that after Parker Stewart had hit a big three to tie it up uh, one possession earlier. But Rutgers once again able to get by the Hoosiers. Uh, the loss drops Indiana to 18 and 11, 9 and 10 in conference play. And, you know, a lot of people said coming in that this was a playing game. You know, Indiana and Rutgers kind of hovering around that, you know, last four in, first four out category. And obviously we'll talk about it a little bit later in the show. Uh, but, you know, where Indiana has, you know, especially after these last, you know, couple of games, you've kind of felt like, okay, you know, we're, we're in. If the tournament ended today, we're in. Uh, I think as we go to bed tonight and we try to process this game, uh, that feeling uh, has shifted to being out and really needing to do some work here uh, with one regular season game left against Purdue and then the Big Ten tournament. But just a disappointing, disappointing night for Indiana at home with so much at stake uh, against a team, obviously, that has beaten a lot of good teams, you know, but that has lost, you know, a few games in a row coming in. And the Hoosiers just are not able to close. And some of the same issues that have plagued this team in other key losses plagued them again uh, tonight. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And we're going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. And we'll start the way that we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. You know, and I think, you know, for the Banner Moment, I'm going to go back to uh, the 952 mark in the second half when, you know, Race Thompson, who you know, obviously was honored uh, with his senior speech tonight, knocks down a three-pointer uh, that was a huge answer uh, to a three-pointer that Ron Harper Jr. had hit. Uh, Harper Jr.'s uh, three had taken it from a seven-point lead by Indiana to a four-point lead, you know, and it kind of felt like uh, Rutgers was seizing the momentum, and Race Thompson comes right back and hits a three-pointer. Uh, you know, showing off some of the range that we've seen more here uh, late this season. Um, Rutgers would go down and score. Rob Finnessy uh, would hit a layup on the next possession. And at the 9.08 mark in the second half, Indiana's sitting on a seven-point lead. Uh, you know, they led by as much as 10 in the game. And that's just, it's a lead that you have to be able to protect. You know, I think if you had told anybody coming in, hey, you're going to have a seven-point lead, with 9.52 to go, with 9.08 to go, will you take your chances? I think we all would have said yes, full well knowing that this team has issues protecting the leads, but you got to get the lead to win. Uh, and Indiana, you know, really did some good things at the start of the game. Trace Jackson Davis was outstanding at the very beginning of the game as Indiana seized early control. But time and time again, when there was a chance to, you know, to make a big three earlier to get on a run, Indiana just wasn't quite able to hit it. But in this instance, Race Thompson uh, is able to knock down the three-pointer. And to me, it's the banner moment. You know, obviously, I didn't get a chance to hear uh, most of Race's speech, um, so I'm not sure if anything was announced. Uh, you know, but if he does decide to, to move on, obviously, we appreciate everything that Race has given to the program. He's been such a terrific player. Uh, but if he does come back uh, and, and decides to play one more year at Indiana, you know, him being able to step out and hit that shot with another year of working on it and getting comfortable would obviously be huge for that program. It was a big moment. Uh, gave Indiana a seven-point lead that they should have been able to protect uh, and win. But Rutgers would outscore Indiana from ten, by 10 points from that point on. 
uh, en route to uh, the very important victory for them uh, and really a devastating loss for Indiana. All right, our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Home Field Apparel. Now in their fifth season of sponsoring the Assembly Call and their first as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. And as I know that you know, Home Field has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you're going to find anywhere with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison and so many others. And if you support other college programs or have people in your life who do, Home Field probably has something for them. They just released Kansas this week. Uh, Villanova came out recently. Uh, you know, so uh, there's still schools that they don't have, but they are slowly but surely, you know, just you know, putting them all out there uh, and their thing is they go back, they pull these old awesome logos out, they give them new life. Uh, and it's just, it's unbelievable stuff. It really it makes you want to buy uh, items for schools that you don't even cheer for because the designs are so cool. Uh, they have, you know, 120, 130 different schools. And no matter what you buy, you know, it's going to be comfortable. The colors are going to last through many washings. And you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through Kelly. Uh, and, you know, really, there's nothing better than that. So go to homefieldapparel.com. Use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, uh, to get 15% off your first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, the website, homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right. Well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Andy, we will start with you, your bottoms line, uh, on a rough night in Bloomington. Yeah, I mean, it, it just uh, all the all the hallmarks of of key games that this team seemed to have a handle on, and and let slip away over the course of the season. And I think that's what uh, when the season ends it is what we're gonna you know look back on is so many missed opportunities to get one or two of these games when it felt like they had momentum, were in control. Um, and and just couldn't couldn't convert uh you know to me this felt like a game in the first half where another one of those you go to the locker room up seven uh we're up 10 until geo baker made a three at the end of the half and just just one where once the locker room feeling like should have been up more than seven missed a lot of open threes in that half came out to start the second half kind of the customary really was uh sluggish out of the gate Rutgers was when the big guys put the ball on the floor was aggressively going to double team. IU had four turnovers in the first four minutes and in change of the half, but then they seemed to in the the race three that you mentioned was almost the end of this. There, you know, there was a stretch there in the middle of the half where they really seemed to right the ship. They were able to score a little bit. Um, it, the problem was that basically after that they went for thirteen possessions and scored six points. Uh, race hit that three, and then there was a, a drive from Rob right after that, and then they just couldn't score, just littered with missed three-pointers of of guys that were open. And at the same time, you know, a lot of people will lament uh, the the missed open shots that you had in this game, and I am, am right there with you in that regard. But the defense really faltered down the stretch as well. Um, yeah. For a team that is built on that as their identity, uh, there was a stretch over – really toward the end of the second half, they had Rutgers had 28 points on 19 possessions. Um, and it, it just scored on almost, I think they scored on 16 of the 19, 15 of the 19. And I, you just couldn't get stops. And some of that probably goes back a little bit to guys being tired. I thought race Thompson didn't get subbed out until about 15 plus minutes into the second half. Geronimo came in and played well, thought there was opportunities to let him, get in earlier in the second half because he played well in the first half and brought a uh, brought a bit of a spark and just felt like 
you know, Woodson seemed like said after the game, wanted to play as seniors on the night and whatever, but just felt like in a game like this that is incredibly physical and is just a meat grinder from start to finish, I just am not sure you can you can ride the guys for as many minutes as they did. And maybe that's not maybe that has nothing to do with the the lack of defensive execution down the stretch and, and some of those kinds of struggles, but um but but you have to think it contributed a little bit, and and more than anything, I walk away just kind of heartbroken for Race Thompson. Um, you could tell the way he slammed the ball down after Harper hit the three uh, at the end. You could tell from other the other way he was playing in this game, like how much he wanted it, how much this meant to him, and uh, that's what's kind of crushing. And um, you know, we'll talk later about what this means for IU's postseason. But I, I I'm having a hard time kind of getting past my uh, my feeling of disappointment for a guy like that who really laid it all on the line and um, came up short in his final home game. And what was, what could be his final home game hopefully isn't um, just can't help, but uh, can't help but hurt for a kid like that. Yeah, the only thing I will say on the minutes before we go too far down that road is Rutgers had four starters who played more minutes than anybody on our roster. So it's a little bit tough to, to put it on that, I think, but there's plenty of other things to put it on and let's go to Ryan for his rant. Um, I'm just going to list games where Indiana had an advantage late, or at least was in it late and blew it in the last four to five minutes at Iowa, uh, Northwestern, Michigan, or not Michigan state, uh, Wisconsin twice, uh, Ohio state, um, and now Rutgers, all of those games, Indiana had a chance to win it late and collapse down the stretch. You could also throw, I, I mean, we've talked about this before, but they won the Purdue game, and it was great that they won that game. They stayed mentally tough, whatever. But if Rob Fittis, he doesn't hit that three-pointer, we're talking about how they collapsed down the stretch and had a good lead. Now, he made the shot, great. That that was a guy stepping up and making the play that Indiana has needed somebody to make the play on all year. Parker Stewart hit a nice shot tonight after missing a ton. And then, obviously, you know, Ron over. But this game should not have been close. I'm sorry. You're up 10 against Rutgers at home. This is a quad three team, and you lose. This isn't about the last shot with Ron Harper. This isn't about some late game execution. This is about the same thing that has plagued this team all year long. They would open the second half pretty much every game, except for Minnesota, which looked like they had sort of turned over a new leaf. And nope, nope. Uh, they would open the second half poorly, couldn't defend, and the offense would be stagnant. They come out of the second half flat pretty much every game, except for that Minnesota game. Let the other team take the lead. Then all of a sudden they counter play well, maybe get up five, seven points, and then collapse in the last five minutes. And tonight I said, there's 5.30 left and you're tied at home against Rutgers with a tournament on the line. You know, we're talking about a playing game. Sure, there's ways they could still get in if they beat Purdue or make a run in the Big Ten tournament, but realistically, your tournament life is on the line that last five minutes. At home against Rutgers, and you lose. You don't deserve to be in the tournament. Like, you don't. You had plenty of chances this year to win games, one or two of these games. Not only if you win two, three of these games, not only are you in the tournament, you're in contention for the Big Ten. And you collapse down the stretch repeatedly. And Mike Woodson's going to say the same thing he always says. I got to teach these guys how to win. Mike, you've had a year, man. Like, I know that it's your first year, but you can't keep going back to that. I got to teach these guys how to win. You've had them for a full season. When When is that going to happen? Okay. Yes, they missed a ton of shots tonight. And, and, and Parker Stewart and Miller Cop are going to feel sick that they missed a ton of open shots. And I think combined they were, let's see, what was it? Three of 14 from three. And I'd say at least 10 of those. Good looks, were too. 
10 of them were wide open. Uh, but you know what? He left them in the game. Anthony Leal didn't play at all. Tamar Bates played five minutes. Like, you, you're not getting what you need out of those guys. You have options down the bench, and you don't use them. When Anthony Leal has played, especially over the last couple times he's played, he's played really well. He's played better defensively than those two guys. And he's hit occasionally hit an open shot. And he moves the ball, and he gets the offense going. Didn't even step on the floor tonight. When you're not getting what you need from those guys, Parker Stewart was minus 14. I know plus minus flawed stat because, let's be real, Car- <laughs> Miller Cop was plus four. Uh, but, but honestly, you have other options. Use them. But why do you have the guys on the team if you're not going to use them? And, and to just, like, this has been a repeated pattern. All year, the exact, we watched the same game. Come in after halftime, flat, lose the lead. Go into half with a lead, lose it. Sort of fight your way back and then collapse late. And it's happened repeatedly and no changes. No changes to fix that. Nothing. They almost lost to Minnesota because of it. Because they just ease up in the last five minutes. And, and, and so when it comes to winning time, this team can't do it. And if they miss the tournament again, I've said I think it's terrible for the program. I think it's horrible for the program. It's unacceptable. It was unacceptable when Archie Miller did it. Unacceptable. The fact that Tom Cream missed the tournament a few times, he won two Big Ten titles. Missing the tournament is what got him fired. You cannot do that at Indiana with the resources available to the program, with the kind of players you recruit, with all of that. You cannot miss the tournament at Indiana. And so I'm ticked off because it's yet another season. Six in a row where it looks like they're going to miss the tournament. And you had a team, I'm sorry, I don't care what the arguments are, you had a team with enough talent to easily make the tournament, to comfortably make the tournament. And you just blew games you should have won. That's it. It's on Indiana. It's not on, you know, Ron Harper made a great shot, and that's why we're not in the tournament. No, no. You had plenty of opportunities to do that this year, and you didn't do it. And I don't know what this program, like, it's not just Mike Woodson. The whole infrastructure of the program needs to take a hard freaking look at itself because this is a pattern of six years now where you have enough talent and you're not succeeding. What's going wrong? Three different coaches. Three, and it's the same result every time. Figure out what's wrong. Well, you know, I will say this, and you make a lot of good points. Um, you know, I will give credit to Rutgers in in this way, and I think it's an interesting juxtaposition with Indiana, and it's the reason why Rutgers keeps beating Indiana, you know, and the reason why Rutgers has won some of these close games and Indiana hasn't you know, won some of these close games and, and Rutgers isn't perfect by any means, but they're 11, eight and 11 and eight in the big 10 and we're nine and 11. And I think what you saw down the stretch, you know, it's easy to say Indiana missed a lot okay. of open shots. Hold on. And the Indiana did miss a lot of open shots, but you know, Rutgers made some tough shots, you know, whereas our two guys go, whatever it was three for 14, you know, Geo Baker's three of seven, Ron Harper's five of eight from downtown, eight of 15 on the road in a must win game. There is a mental and physical toughness two Rutgers that we haven't had. And there is an identity that the Rutgers program has that we don't have. And that is why we continue to lose to Rutgers and why they're a better program than we are right now. And until that changes, these results are not going to change. And so I do tip my hat to those guys because they've played a lot of Big Ten basketball. They came in and made big shots tonight in a big game and our guys didn't. And that's why they won. You know, and that that's the difference between these two programs is identity and mental toughness. We don't have yeah. either right now. Jared, I was, I was going to say, it just comes down to toughness. 
That's what it comes down to. You're right, mental toughness, physical toughness, whatever. When IU gets challenged physically, this team, over the last five years, what happens? They wilt. They don't bounce back. I mean, you see it. Illinois challenged IU physically in the second half of that game. Indiana just wilted. Michigan State challenged them physically. Never felt like Indiana was in that game. I mean, it, it, that's what happens to this team. Michigan was f- far more physical than them. We're never in the game. So the book is out. This program is soft. It just is. It's mentally soft. It's physically soft. And, and maybe Mike Woodson needs time to rebuild that. Fine. Fine. But it didn't improve very much this year. Like, it needs to radically change. It can't. This can't be another four-year change, a four-year development. They need to, this needs to happen now, today. There needs to be a sense of urgency. And it's felt like for Indiana over the past six seasons, there is no sense of urgency to fix this. Maybe we were soft on Archie Miller early on. Maybe we thought, okay, it's a massive sea change, whatever. But the signs were there early. The signs were there early that, that wasn't going to work. And we, we ignored it on this program. The signs for Cream were there for a long time. Then he won a Big Ten title at, towards the end, and you're sort of like, all right, maybe it's back together. And then it fell off a cliff again. And so here it is. The signs are here. You need to be tougher than this. I don't know what it takes. Maybe it's a whole new roster. I don't know. But next year, if this team is looking the exact same as this and looking the same as it has for the past six seasons, you need to reexamine the entire structure of what you're doing at Indiana. Because it's, it's gotten to the point, you're right, Jared, over the last six years, where does Indiana rank as a program in the Big Ten? 10th, 11th? I mean, not even in the top half. And Indiana basketball is what we define ourselves by. It's basketball. Like, I mean, it has to be better than this. There's no excuse for this with the resources available. They spent $10 million to get rid of the last coach. With those kinds of resources available, you cannot be missing the tournament, let alone missing it six years in a row. If you're a recruit, and you're looking at Indiana, there's all these advantages going to Indiana. We all love that school. But right now, Indiana's a team that doesn't make the tournament. Why would you come here? So, I mean, it needs to change. It absolutely needs to change, and the change needs to start today. Not in three weeks when the season's over, not after this recruiting, so whatever. It needs to start right freaking now. This cannot continue. It has to change, and it has to start today. It'll start with Andy's next statement. Andy, go. I mean, (laughs) at some point, it's just saying the same stuff over and over again. So we either like talk about that or we we talk about the game and like parts of the game that went wrong. But like, I'm let's talk about some of the game. I I, I just I mean, mean, the other stuff is like we've said it all before. You've said it before. I, I don't like I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying, but I'm not sure what. What point is being served by hammering it into the ground. So if we want to talk about the game, let's talk about the game. Yeah, let's talk about the game. The game was not good. All right, let's move on. Yeah, let's talk about burritos. No, I thought, no, I guess, no, so, so, I mean, I think one of the, um, I think one of the, I, I, you know, one of the storylines, obviously, Trace Jackson Davis gets off to a great start in the first half, force feeding him in the post. Rutgers made adjustments defensively, both I felt like in the way that they doubled, I know I felt like Woodson said after the game that he was, you know, beating the double team in the first half. I don't know that I necessarily felt that way. I thought he was, I didn't think they were aggressively doubling the way that they were 
um, as the game went on. And then they and then they go into a zone, and I thought that's really when things kind of ground to a halt um, for for IU. Um, and, and you know they would run a few sets here and there, but it was just the same kind of stagnant offense that we've seen over the course of the year. And and when Trace got things taken away and he got pushed a little bit further away from the basket, I mean, he made a dunk on the second possession of the second half, and then he didn't score again until he made those free throws there toward the end. And I think it kind of underscores some of the points that we've we've made about having him be the focal point of the offense. Just weren't able to get him the ball in those situations. He wasn't able to convert either when he did get it. Um, and, and it's kind of shown that if he can get pushed a step or two further away from the basket than he wants to be, that hook shot is not that effective. Um, and it just didn't seem like it, it, they ran that one set for race out of a timeout. Um, and that worked the first time they tried to run it again and it got blocked. Um, yeah. but other than like kind of going back to that set, they didn't have ways to get the ball inside and missed tons of open threes. I mean, getting guys the sh- I, theoretically the shots that you want them to take. And I, I thought while the defense for IU was, was not good. I mean, the difference is IU missing wide open threes and Rutgers consistently making contested ones. Okay. And I think that goes back to the toughness that you talked about, Jared, of being willing to take those shots, not hesitating to take those shots and, and having the confidence to make them in the situations that they did. But uh, you know, that to me, you know, their adjustments defensively, IU's inability to adjust on the offensive side and kind of struggling to figure out what plan B was when uh, Trace couldn't get the ball was kind of the the difference to me, at least on the offensive end of the floor. Yeah, Yeah, Ryan, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that that we've seen over this year that Trace Jackson Davis is a good big man. He's a a very talented back-to-the-basket big man. But when it wasn't working against Rutgers, they should have pulled him away from the basket, tried to get him the ball at the free throw line, let him maybe – drive or do some work there maybe you get fouls at least you know try you know because it's hard to guard him when he starts moving like that he's pretty quick for his size and we just over the last i'd say few weeks we haven't seen much of that from indiana i thought they did that early in the season more start him at the free throw line and maybe it's because they're playing him with race more and they and they you know or or playing him you know especially late he and race are both in there and race is also kind of working the 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 paint so his guys in there too but I don't know. I think you got to change it up at that point, especially late when you're getting him back to the basket. As Andy said, when he's a few feet, a few, few more feet, few more feet out, that hook is not as effective. It's just not. And and we've seen that for that's been a pattern for a while. He made his free throws. Maybe try and do stuff to get him to the line, like get him, pull him away from the basket and let him, you know, go to work from there. Um, you know, he's not going to shoot a jumper from out there, regardless of how much we want him to. But at least maybe let him get to work and maybe have some more room to work. But. Um, yeah, I mean, look, you, you go down and you look and, and if you want the, the basic reason why I, you lost this game, I think the defense in the second half, what did Rutgers score? Uh, 1.281 points per possession in the second half for Rutgers after I thought Indiana was pretty good defensively, like excellent defensively in the first half. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you look at, you look at the second half, Indiana was four of 10 from three in the second half. Uh, the problem was Parker Stewart was two of seven on wide open looks on plays where he got wide open looks off driving kicks in the first half. There were two of 11 and you had a chance to really extend the lead and put your foot on it and on Rutgers throat. And they just could not hit open shots. And it was just Stewart and cop just rushing everything. I mean, you could just see it. I, I texted you guys. I'm like, you watch, they're just rushing it cop. When he rushes, he over rotates his entire top half on the, on the shot. The one time he got that loose ball, and set his feet and fired. He hit it nothing but net. It was perfect. But he just rushed everything. Guys, when they struggle, they rush. And you could see they were struggling from three. I, I just, 
I guess I'm not, you know, when Parker Stewart's two of nine from three, or really it was one of eight and then he hit that one late, but one of, you know, one of whatever for most of it, maybe sit him down for a couple minutes. He played 32 minutes. Maybe sit him down for a couple minutes, calm him down and, and put somebody else in for a couple minutes. You know, you have Tamar Bates. He was, he was a very highly recruited prospect. And, and I know Tamar didn't look great defensively or whatever, but Tamar's also the kind of guy who makes one play and all of a sudden he's in the game and he looks great. Um, again, Anthony Leal, give him some run. He played well the last couple of times you put him in there. You have a chance to maybe let guys sit down and calm down. Instead, they were rushing. Cop played 34, Stewart played 32, and they both struggled. Um, I, I just... You know, guys struggle. Shooters miss. We had, I remember Nick Zaislav went through a stretch where he couldn't hit anything. And then all of a sudden he bounced back and hit like five or six in a game or something like that. Guys do that. Um, but this is a big game for them to miss like that. And uh, man, there were a lot of open looks that they just left wanting. And, and look, we've said it for years. Indiana, if you're going to run through the post, you need to have shooters to spread the floor. And Indiana shooters just haven't really come to play this year. Yep. All right. Well, coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's three-point loss to Rutgers, we'll talk about some meaningful moments that you might have missed. We'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game and talk about other stuff. You are listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, this is Jawan Morgan. What's the only thing better than getting IU's first triple-double in 47 years? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Juwan. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Brian Phillips, and we are picking up the pieces uh, from Indiana's broken opportunity at home tonight against Rutgers. You know, I was really hoping by by having the Juwan soundbite that we would channel Juwan against Rutgers on senior day. A triple-double, a 16-point victory. Boy, those were the days, huh, when we could beat Rutgers. Uh, those days are not today. Uh, but it is time, guys, for the meaningful moment that you might have missed. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm not sure that that anybody missed this because we've become so used to it. Uh, but I certainly thought it was a, a bit of a harbinger of things to come, and that's the three-pointer that Geo Baker hit at the very end of the first half. Um, you know, the first half, I mean, again, you know, Indiana came out so strong early. You know, Trace was so good early. And, you know, it really, you know, Indiana was up 16-12, and they kind of had like a four- to six-point lead. And it felt like they were playing 12 to 14 points better. 
they were just missing open shots, as we've said over and over again. And so you could pick almost any of those where, you know, you've got an opportunity with, you know, a full assembly hall and people know how big of a game it is. We couldn't hit any of those threes early that kind of blew the roof off and got a real big run going. And it finally felt like at the end of the first half, we really built some momentum. You know, we get that 10 point lead. I don't remember who I don't remember who scored right before that. But, you know, we get that 10 point lead. It really feels like we're going to go into halftime, you know, feeling great with a little bit of momentum. And, and you know, and this is what what Rutgers did tonight. I saw a quote from from Geo Baker um, at the end of the game. He said, our goal tonight was to come in and ruin their senior night. And that's what we did. Uh, you know, and if I sound overly impressed with Rutgers, I am impressed with Rutgers. I'm impressed with the mental toughness that they showed to come make those shots. Because when it's, you know, 10, it's 10 points, the home team is, is you know, getting some momentum going into halftime. That's what mentally tough teams do is they come down and knock down a three and just remind you, hey, we're here and we're not going anywhere. And this has happened to this team over and over again, where they'll play really well in the first half. And then something will happen at the very end of the first half, and it's almost like it just plants doubt. Like, remember Wisconsin went on that 5-0 run, then the game up yep. there, you know, right at the end of the first half? And it's like we've just seen that kind of thing happen. And I guarantee every IU fan, when he hit that shot, was thinking, oh, crap. And now, I did. you know, and now instead of it feeling like you're up seven, it's almost like, you know, or we, you know, it almost feels like you're tied. It's like it's like you hit a 10-point shot, honestly. And I don't know what the team feels like, but we've seen this team struggle coming out of halftime so much that I think it's fair to question what happens to this team at halftime. And if some of those you know, little runs at the end of the first half just set the stage for some of the things that we see in the second half. So to me, that was a really meaningful moment, you know, and Indiana didn't open the second half that great. Now they turned it around. And I think, you know, the other moment that I liked is, you know, Rutgers went on a, a 10-0 run early in the second half, you know, took the lead, and Mike Woodson called timeout. Now, we've seen him allow those runs to just go, you know, and hey, I'm going to let the guys figure it out. And I think that's when Rutgers had switched to his own. He called timeout, and what happened? I think Indiana immediately went on a 6-0 run. Xavier Johnson came out and made plays. You know, he settled down a little bit. Well, they came right out and got the ball to Race Thompson. They finally ran some effective zone offense. We got a couple steals. Xavier Johnson gets a dunk. And we're up by six, you know? And so that's nice to see that he didn't let it balloon to a 16-point run. He called the timeout at 10, you know, and so that's good. But you also think back to times earlier this season where maybe if that timeout comes a little bit sooner, you know, look, if, and I think, you know, you guys talked about this on on a recent postgame show. If Mike Woodson is consistently going to say, I've got to teach these guys how to win, it might not always be letting them figure it out on their own, out on the court with guys who have never won before. Sometimes you have to micromanage and call timeouts and do that. And so to his credit, he did that in that moment and it helped, but obviously we weren't able to get it done, you know, uh, uh, moving forward in the game. But those two moments really stood out to me, you know, one as a bad turning point, one as a good turning point uh, for Indiana up there at the end of the first half and the second half. Andy, what moment stood out to you? Well, I think... I think what you you talked about there um, was at the end of the half. You know, Geronimo is the guy who made that. You know, the shot clock's running out, turns around, makes a, yes. a tough jumper, and you kind of felt like because there were some missed opportunities there in in a few places down the stretch of the half because the defense had played really good. They forced three straight turnovers there for a little bit, um, you know, but missed missed some opportunities to extend the lead. And then to your point, Rutgers, you know, gets it gets it there. You've got the slow start, and and to me again, it's just. There was a stretch, even when IU was playing well in the middle of the second half, 
um, it was Xavier Johnson just trying to do everything, um, with the exception of of you know few few race Thompson plays mixed in there, and IU basically alternated scoring and not scoring in a bunch of possessions there while they actually had you know really rebounded well and started playing better defense, you know, forced some turnovers in that stretch as well, and just could never string together two straight scores to really push the lead further. I mean, when as I look down the way that I track this, I think there was only one place in the second half where IU scored on consecutive possessions. Um, it was the race three and then the Rob layup right after that. Yeah. And, it, you know, just the, the inability at times to where to really put more of that pressure and build that lead back up. They just could never consistently do it. Um, I don't know what the biggest lead was in the second half, but maybe it was seven uh, at one point, but just never could really push it up toward double digits and, uh, just felt like a lot of those cases missed opportunities, whether it was, you know, X missed a couple jumpers race, you know, missed two free throws after shooting really well on from the free throw line in the first half. Um, you had three straight Stewart misses from three where, you know, I think all of them were really clean, clean looks. Um, just I, just missed opportunities, which I guess are the, the meaningful moments here, because I just feel like there were a lot of chances to either come up with a key defensive stop um, or, you know, figure out some way to string together a couple of baskets. And I think that speaks a little bit to the mental toughness piece that you had. And I saw somebody in the chat say, you know, Rutgers out, how are they mentally tough? Look at their record or whatever. Like they had a terrible week early in the season. They lost three of their worst four losses in one week and they didn't fold. They've come back and put themselves right in the, in the thick of things in the big 10. Like to me, that's mental toughness more so than looking at a record and saying that. And the fact that you and I are both sitting here, like, wishing to have the mental toughness of a, of a, of a program like Rutgers that for a while was a laughing stock in the big 10 mm -hmm. is, is pretty telling. Um, and also a compliment to what Steve Peichel has, has really built there and all the kinds of culture and identity stuff that, that we talk about. And those things are established in moments when you have the, you know, killer instinct to get that stop when you really need it to string together a couple baskets and really put that kind of game pressure on somebody. And that's just what IU doesn't have. Um, right now uh, to me that's i just i just look back and it's just a a slew of missed opportunities um both to make a defensive play or to to make something happen on the offensive end yeah i gotta say something real quick it, 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 people are talking about you know Rutgers, their record or whatever Rutgers isn't talented they're just tough i mean they've got talented guys a couple of talented guys but they win through toughness through just like not folding and just continuing to come after you and 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 when things are down, they don't get down. They keep fighting. They may not be. They may get out talented in games and lose games, but they don't give up. And those are some tough dudes. I would not want to battle under the boards. And they and play a lot of minutes too because they have no bench. They do. And it's it, those guys are tough. I'm sorry, Ron Arbor Jr. is a tough, tough dude. Geo Baker's tough. Some of those post guys are tough. You don't want to fight with them. And, and, and regardless, that's a team you don't want to play. I'm sorry. If you're, if you need a win, that's a team you don't want to play because they're going to bring it. Like, even if they lose, eventually they're going to bring it and they're going to make you earn it. And that's what toughness is. And that's how they win games. They don't win because they have five-star players or four-star, like high four-star players or anything like that. They win because they're tough. And, and so people ripping Rutgers or saying they stink or whatever. Like you should be, India should beat Rutgers. No question about it. But they lost because Rutgers is tougher than them. And it's not a one-time thing. This has been the formula, honestly, nope. you know, for, for the last few years. So one other moment that I want to talk about is that last shot by Ron Harper. 
So it's 63-63, Parker Stewart hits the three-pointer. And, you know, to me, as you're preparing for Rutgers, you know, as a, as a coaching staff, you know, instructing the players, who's the one guy in a late-game situation that you don't want to get the ball? And certainly that you don't want to be comfortable. It's Ron Harper. Yep. Now, you know, he got the ball. Race Thompson was guarding him. So, I mean, you've got, you know, one of your best defenders on him. And, you know, obviously Race is a little worried about getting blown by and he's given him a little bit of space and he doesn't want to foul. And it's difficult, you know, because Race is backtracking. Ron Harper's, you know, dribbling up. Something different has to happen on that possession. I mean, you've got to either get the ball out of Ron Harper's hands Run a send double a, at send a double and just make someone else beat you. If Paul Mulcahy hits a three, if McConnell hits a three, if Geo Baker hits one of his off-balance long twos, fine. I'll, I'll take that, any of that. The one thing you cannot have is Ron Harper stepping into a three-pointer. You just can't. And, you know, so that to me is a lack of preparation and or a lack of execution. Who knows if they talked about it, whatever. That cannot happen. You know, so it's not just... I mean, it obviously it does go back to mental and physical toughness. There's also a collective basketball IQ at the end of games where Indiana falls short sometimes. And again, so I, you know, we we're not there in practice. We don't know what was talked about. So I have no idea where to assign blame. I just know that it's pretty obvious that you can't have Ron Harper stepping into a three pointer at that. The one guy on the court. You have to do something. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think- I think the challenge in that scenario on the fly, because I didn't have a timeout to take after the Stewart make, because they used the last one when they advanced the ball up the court, you know, ran two seconds off to get it into the front court and took that one. Um, but as I'm thinking back to the play, you basically had Geo Baker at the top, toward the top of the key, Harper on the side, and everybody else was away. So the only guy who was anywhere close enough to run a double at him to actually, and could get there, at that point was Xavier Johnson, who was the guy responsible for Geo Baker. So you, I, I, I agree with you. I found myself saying the same thing and I watched the playback and I'm like, I don't really know where the double has to come from on the fly in that, in that way. And you've got to get somebody to be able to rotate up to Baker. Cause he's the other guy that you don't want to get the ball um, in that scenario. But yeah, definitely felt like, I mean, you knew once Harper got the ball, it was going up. He was never going to pass it back to anybody also. Yeah. Or, um, or over shot him on even the if shot. the guy, yeah, even if the guy guy doubled him or or whatever. Yeah, else. or so, you know, yeah, you, I, you know, if you race, I make make him beat you off the dribble and hit because there are only a couple seconds left. You know, make him hit. You know, a, yeah, a I think he's footer. assuming that's going to be a drive and maybe a step back or something. So he's giving him space, and he gave him too much space. I mean, that's you know, yeah, that's, essentially. But also, it's on the fly. You're just reacting in that situation. Again, you use the timeout beforehand, understandably. I mean, I you know to advance the ball, um, but. Yeah, I agree. I, I I felt like there was just sort of like that way you essentially get into pickup game mode at that point. It's it's just gonna come up the floor and it's yeah. just your best their best guy against yours and something's gonna happen. And and look, I feel way you're right. I feel way better about Harper driving at that point than I do about him stepping into a three. So I don't care how far out it is. Like, you know, I mean, we've seen him hit long threes all year. So yeah, get up on him a little closer. And I th- I'm I'm sure Race would tell you he you know, he should have been up tighter on him and made him forced him to drive. Andy, do you have another one? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, I want to just talk a little bit about Jordan Geronimo. We, we talked about the play at the end of the half. I thought even when he finally got in the game in the second half, almost immediately, you know, catches the ball at the elbow, made a shot, continues to play well against the zone um, and thought he had earned the chance to play more based on how he had played in the first half. Did a good job keeping things alive. Um 
And I, I just, I felt like that could have helped race to a certain extent in the second half as he had really gotten worn down that I, I just felt Geronimo played well enough to give himself a chance earlier in the second half. And he only played the, you know, the two minutes, but um, I thought another solid performance from him. If you want to really put on the crimson colored glasses and spin it forward to what he can potentially be uh, in an expanded role, I think he's a guy that you'd like to be able to try to build around um, three for four from the floor, had six points and two rebounds in nine minutes. I, I thought, thought he deserved he, to play more. Thought he was active and, and the kind of guy who might be able to give a different defensive look. Now I think, to be fair, I think Baker hit the shot over him at the end of the first half. So, you know, it's another, you know, guy where he he's a tough one a little bit to get the ball over, but, um, you know, struggled in that in that scenario to give up a shot to a guy that you probably don't want taking the shot in, in that scenario. But I thought he just continues to kind of I, I remember talking through if you go back to the Syracuse game, he struggled a ton against that zone, just turned the ball over, kind of blindly was trying to throw passes that he thought he was supposed to throw and. Uh, without really looking and his comfort level against the zone has really improved a lot. Um, and once he learned, he can take that little jumper. If they give him space, it's changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had a tough turnaround in the first half over Harper. I believe it was um, just, I, I thought, I thought played really well in limited minutes and would have liked to see him a little bit more. I think that could have benefited race uh, in the long run. I'm not saying that's a difference in the you know final play of the game or sure. anything like that, but um Definitely think that could have could have helped race a little bit, but yeah, uh, I mean, look, I, you know, so many of these games, you know, big games at home are won by your role players and your bench players, and one of the advantages that you had over Rutgers is they're going to play their starters as much as they can, and you're able to keep guys a little bit fresher ostensibly because you play your bench. And look, you know, Tamar got in there; he didn't do a ton. I do think, you know, I don't think Anthony Leal is the panacea by any means. No. But I do think this is a pretty good matchup for him to get four or five minutes because he's a mentally tough guy that does things well, you know, against his zone, especially if guys are never hurts the team. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I do think that there is, you know, there is something to that, that, you know, I think Indiana had an advantage there with the bench. And, you know, I, I saw Woody's quotes. He said, you know, he wanted to go with some of his older guys, you know, on senior night, which is, like a, a nice sentiment, I suppose, but I think but that doesn't game. matter. You just need to win yeah. on senior night. And yeah. it just it felt like there was an advantage there, maybe that Indiana could have tapped into um, that they that they didn't. Who knows? Maybe those guys come in and they don't do anything, and maybe they practice. Yeah. You know, I, don't, I have no idea, but feels like that could have been managed a little better. One more meaningful moment, Jared, that I mean, I, I don't know if this is one people missed, but. Uh, after that Mulcahy gets ejected, Indiana gets to pick who the foul shooter is, and they pick Hyatt, which is a smart thing. He's about a 60% guy. He hit those free throws like he was a 90% free throw shooter. I mean, he just stepped up confidently and made them both. And, I mean, that's one of those things where you're just like, things are not going our way. Like, I mean, it just felt at that point, it was like, oh, God, come on. I, that made it I found myself game. looking, too. I will say, though, the other option was the, the dude that TJD was just – obliterating in the first half and he was five for 10 from the free throw line on the season. So I was like, do you pick that guy? Do you pick a walk? Which guy on? Was Just, it? Uh, I forget what his name was, but uh, I think number 21, maybe I guess if I look at it, I would be able to oh, tell Reber. You. Yeah. 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 Reber. He was on yeah, the floor. He, right. I didn't know he was on the floor at the time. No, he wasn't uh, on the floor. I don't think, Oh, the Hyatt guy was on the floor. I didn't yeah. Think you had, you had to pick somebody on the floor. I think. Oh, gotcha. I gotcha. And, uh, and so, yeah, they picked because, you know, somebody replaces Mulcahy and then you have to pick from the people left and uh, they picked Hyatt. And I think Omar Rui was the only other guy and he had been eight, five of six in the second half. So 
yeah, yeah he they picked the guy who in the first half and then all of a sudden he was yeah, yeah he looked great in right the stretch. but i mean just you know that's that's one of those things where it's like you probably made the right decision and it just didn't go your way and now it's a five-point game and cop hits two and he you get the three from stewart but you know that changes the game if he misses the front end because it's a one-on-one he misses the front end it's only a three-point game cops going to the line for two you know he's going to make those it's a one-point game I mean, but it's just bad. It goes luck, back to the mental know? toughness. They they were just yeah. mentally tough tonight. They stepped up um, and made it. So some of those plays, when they make plays like that, you got to tip your cap to them. All right, guys, let's go inside the numbers for a little bit. This segment sponsored by the Power Rank, where our friend Ed uses data and analytics to make accurate football and college basketball predictions. Uh, he also writes an incredible March Madness guide every year, and we are going to have a special f- offer for you on that. Uh, once March rolls around, uh, and we're actually going to be doing uh, a March Madness episode with Ed, uh, where he'll you know kind of walk once the bracket comes out, walk us through the bracket, you know some of the some of his sleeper picks, and and you know where he'll give us basically give you some insight that is in that guide. But highly recommend that you grab that guide. Uh, but what you should do now is go to thepowerrank.com slash AC and subscribe. You also should follow Ed at the Power Rank. Um, so follow him on Twitter, go to thepowerrank.com slash AC and subscribe to his newsletter. Let's pick out a few stats. You know, you guys were talking about free throw shooting, uh, and Indiana's disparity in big 10 play this year in free throw shooting is unbelievable. Indiana's dead last in free throw percentage, uh, and they are dead last in defensive free throw percentage. So they've been bad and unlucky at the free throw line today. However, Indiana goes 11 for 14 from the line, 78.6%. Good. Rutgers, 10 of 16 from the line, 62.5%. So, you know, in a close game, you kind of look to the free throw line as the difference. Percentage-wise, that was pretty good. But I think if you're in What did Rutgers do in the second half, though, Jared? No, no, no. They were, I think, 0 for 6 in the first half. So they made all of them in the second half. Oh, for four yeah. the first half, 10 to 12 in the second half. 10 to 12 in the second half. And, you know, really, you know, I think the issue there is Indiana only getting uh, 14 free throws. Um, you know, I think Indiana needed again, uh, you know, to, to find ways to get to the line more, um, that would help, but especially a team that plays through the post, you've got to get to the line more. Yes. You're playing in the paint. Yes. Um, you know, but, but the numbers that I really want to look at are, and we haven't talked about this guy a lot, Xavier Johnson, two assists, four turnovers, um, you know, did have 13 points was obviously really key in that stretch in the second half. I think he scored eight straight points for Indiana. He had three steals, so he was making things happen. Um, you know, and, and you look at the plus minus, he was a zero, you know, so he was even, right? Indiana played him even with X on the court. And I think that's the issue is Xavier Johnson is this team's most important player. He has to be a plus player for Indiana to beat good teams. And tonight, you know, whereas we've seen him these last three games, you know, really score well and do a lot of things, he was kind of up and down tonight. You know, and so 13 points, two assists, four turnovers, three steals. There's some good, there's some bad. He's two of four from three-point range, hit a huge three late. So he did some stuff, but he's got to do more. Like just the way that this team runs offense, the way that this lineup, this, this roster is set up, Xavier Johnson has to be more than just okay. And tonight yeah, and, he was just okay. And the zone can neutralize a point guard, uh, you know, because you can't, there aren't as many opportunities to drive one-on-one. Uh what it does is it emphasizes, unless you're a point guard who can really knock down threes and get open. And think about X is he's actually hit open shots lately really well. Yes. The problem is his shot takes so long to get off because of the motion that it, you know, he can't get it off as quickly as some of these other guys, you know, some of the other point guards in the league that can just catch and shoot quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, on a night where Indiana isn't shooting well, you need more from your guards. 
you know, in, in some capacity. I thought that X, you know, that stretch was enormous, but I thought it was just a disjointed performance. And then when they went zone, uh, you know, against the zone in the second half, he really struggled to find out, you know, find ways to beat it. And, um, man, it was just, you know, that it, it, he's played so well lately. It's hard to criticize, but, but really, really seemed to struggle tonight when they went that those, those three steals were all big and that, you know, that that stretch of about five minutes where he kind of took the game over was was really yeah. impressive. And Andy, you know, I'll, I'll I'll lead you into commenting with this. Uh, you know, Rutgers out rebounds Indiana thirty three to twenty one. Uh, second chance points twelve to eight. So just kind of slight advantages in those two kind of toughness categories. Bench points are eight eight, and points in the paint are twenty six twenty six. And those are two places where Indiana needed to have an advantage. So you kind of played Rutgers to a draw in the places where you needed to have an advantage. And then on kind of some of the toughness stuff, Rutgers was just slightly better. And they're slightly better on the scoreboard. Yeah, the rebounding, I really thought Rutgers started to get to a lot of the 50-50 balls um, over the course of the game because IU... I think at one of the very first meetings, but Rutgers played more like, minutes. Oh, Let's stop you're saying right, fatigue, though. But that's the thing is, you can say that, Jared. But maybe they're just better prepared for that. I mean, maybe they're well, just their training is better. Maybe they're better for that. I mean, like we've seen it over this year that guys are tired late in games for us. It doesn't matter how many minutes that you know how many minutes the other team plays. They don't train exactly right, the same. Let's, let's, let's call it mental toughness then. Fatigue just okay, sounds like a cop fine. out. Okay, Either, but yeah, race I, was I, dead tired with five minutes left. I mean, you know, it's clear. Yeah, I mean, you just looked at they had seven of their offensive rebounds and eight of their second chance points in the second half. I, I just felt like there were a number of times when and some of it was they're missing threes long and running the ball down like there's some of that is I you know that leads to to hustle type plays. Um, but I thought I thought that I mean, really, at short of the first handful of minutes of the game, Rutgers really dominated um, on the glass. And and so um that that I think was a big one. I agree with you about the and, and kind of the same thing with the the points in the paint. I mean, I used first 14, 16 points from the field, at least were all from the paint. Um, and that really leveled off as the game went along, forced IU to become a jump shooting team. And we talked about, you know, how good the shots felt like they were from a you know shot quality standpoint or whatever you want to say, but they just didn't um, you know, just seemed like didn't have the same same energy, I guess, in the in the second half, particularly like Trace. I think he and, and part of that is he was so involved early on and he really brought it early in the game. And then I think some of that waned a bit in the second half as he became less involved uh, in what was going on and then tried to ratchet it back up there toward the end. They were force feeding him the ball again, um, got that offensive rebound late, couldn't couldn't put it back after race missed the shot. But it just felt like his 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 energy really dropped off when he wasn't getting the ball as much. And and I guess to a certain extent, maybe that's, you know, offensive system and how you do enough to keep him engaged in those scenarios. But I think the offensive rebound and the rebounding in general were kind of a, a symptom of, of some of that as the game went along. Ryan, any statistics that jump out to you? I just looked at the plus minus from the second half. I know plus minus flawed statistic, whatever, but it's let's not just stop saying true. that though, because we cite it every every show. We do so minus let's stop calling it a flawed race, stat. <laughs> minus twelve for Race Thompson, who I think we all agree plays really hard and 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 tries his best, but just struggle. Parker Stewart was minus eighteen in the second half. Um, I, I just really like I you know because I was seeing it for the game and 
but I would say, you know, the, the, the points per possession offensively for Indiana in the second half is 0.939. Like the, the offense in the second half this year has not been good for Indiana all year. I mean, that's been an all year thing. That's not a, that's not a, a new thing, but it's just amazing how starkly different it is from the first half 1.103. And then the second half, yeah. 0.939 and it always reverses the other way for the other team offensively and defense uh you know defensively for indiana so Rutgers is like like 0.5 points per possession better from first half to second based yes. on the way that i had it and, which and is a, for, quite a swing first half for Rutgers 0.833 points per possession second half 1.281 i mean so it's just for some reason it just flips both ways for indiana first half to second half and we've talked about it. it's a pattern i mean i don't want to beat that to death but it's it's there, and I don't know what you do to change that. I don't know if you know teams are making adjustments against Indiana clearly at halftime, and Indiana is typically not. It it looks like they're not making adjustments, at the, the substantial adjustments at the half. Then they wind up countering a little bit to those adjustments, usually four, five, six minutes into the second half, and then the other team counters back, and it just it, you know it find it, it it winds up being Indiana not being able to do it late. So. Uh, it's just an interesting pattern that's happened all year, and and obviously they have to figure out what that is. Well, and I, Look, I think it, to circle back to Xavier Johnson, which I kind of got sidetracked there by some of the other you know numbers that were um, that were cited. I felt like this was a game where uh, I guess two things. You know, one, he really struggled to get others involved, only end up with two assists. I mean, when this offense is looking even remotely good, it's typically the result of him being a distributor. Now. We could certainly argue that there were guys on the receiving end of some passes that if they make shots, he probably had six or seven assists in, over the course of the game. But I thought more than that, this was the first game in a while where it felt like he really got caught up in things other than just playing basketball. Um, and and it ends up in Mulcahy taking a, a shot at him. I think there were multiple other times when he kind of got in the scrum a little bit, trying to almost bait somebody into uh, into something. I, I thought they made the right call that it wasn't a hook and hold on that offensive foul they called on. Um, Rutgers there, but I felt like he got more involved in those kinds of things than what we've seen from him uh, in, in recent games. And I, maybe that impacted his play. Maybe it was something else, but uh, I felt like that had kind of gone away to a large extent. wasn't gone totally, um, but it felt like more of those moments with him tonight than what we've seen recently. Yeah, it's it's part of who he is. You know, I don't think it'll ever go away. But you try to yeah, I don't think it will totally. It just felt yeah. like it had been it, it had not been front and center yeah and i felt like some of it was more tonight than than yeah. it has been it feels like there are longer gaps without it now you know where he's able to just yeah. play mm-hmm. than, than we saw I agree. The beginning of the season it was every few minutes something yeah. like that and i didn't happening. feel that way tonight i thought there was like a lot of a lot of chippiness i would think we saw rob get a little bit chippy with somebody where he dove on the floor for a loose ball and, and kind of wrestling with it there i think there were a couple of those moments for everybody um but the last thing I want to say before we close this segment, Ryan, it goes back to what you said about the second half adjustments. And I think it is a reason to to feel relatively pessimistic about what can happen the rest of this season. But I also think that it kind of baked in there is, you know, a reason to perhaps be somewhat patient. And here's what I mean by that is the Big Ten is a really, really well-coached and well-scouted league. And a lot of the other coaches have seen these Indiana players. You know, they almost have more experience with them than Mike Woodson does because they've seen them and game-planned them against them for a couple of years. And so what we have at Indiana is a coach in his first year in college coaching 
with assistants that he's with for the first time and players that he's with all for the first time. And so in a league as well coached as the Big Ten, to not expect there to be a disadvantage there is probably unrealistic. Now, I fully agree with everything that you say that this team should be good enough to make the NCAA tournament. So I'm not using it as an excuse for that. Sure. But I do think some of what we see in the second half is just a lot of stuff that's just first-year coach, new staff, all that stuff. And I think as he gets more experience, hopefully there's staff continuity and those guys work well together. They'll start to be able to catch up to Steve Peichel, who's now been there five or six years with staff continuity and players that he's had for four years. That's a real big advantage, you know? And so it's worth acknowledging that, you know, as you start to look two, three, four years down the road, some of those things right now where it's just like, my God, you know, Woody just got totally outfoxed here by the other coach. Well, yeah, that's probably going to happen some this year. And I think we do have to hold some space for that. It doesn't, it's not an excuse for some of the stuff we've seen because sometimes it's stuff that should be relatively obvious. But it is, I think, a very fair disadvantage to think that Indiana is at that they haven't been able to overcome in other ways. But yeah, there's something to be I think I think that's you. a real area for growth where you could see in years two and three as Woody's been around the block more, you know, as he has more experience with these players and some of those things, I think you could see a bigger jump, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, we'll see. No, it has to actually be, happen, but there's something to be said for continuity, certainly. And and look, the criticisms of Mike Woodson this year are about this year, you know, and, and it's and 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 the missteps and the the missed opportunities this year. Do I think that Mike Woodson will learn and grow? Yeah, he has to. I mean, well, if he doesn't, I mean, you're talking about hot seat next year if you don't make get yeah. be better than this, quite frankly, because I'm sorry, but fans are not going to be patient with this. They want to turn around. And, and so this isn't going to be a four-year project. You got to be better next year. And, and so do I think that Mike Woodson has the capacity to learn college basketball a little better, develop, maybe get some more players in that fit what he wants, fits what he wants to do. Of course, of course. I just think there have been so many missed opportunities this year and that's on him. It's on, you know, his, the rest of his staff, it's on his players. It's on all of that. I mean, it, it, you know, but at the same time, like this is a missed opportunity. This team could have made the tournament. I mean, and still might, we don't know what's going to happen, but this is a team on paper talent wise should have easily been in the NCAA tournament and been, you know, a couple spots higher in the Big Ten, clearly. And and they showed it by being in games against good ranked teams late and then blowing them. Yeah, it doesn't even you know? matter what happened on paper. You could just see it on the court. And yeah, they I gave mean, away a road game at, at Northwestern with five guys suspended. You know, and I so think Wisconsin, a perfect example is the Wisconsin game is the is, is a perfect example of that. The Ohio State game, a perfect example of that. You had that game. You had both of those games. You just play the way you've been playing and you win and something changed, and the other team came back. Now, those are good teams that made plays, but why are you not making plays? You're not a bad team. Make plays. You know, it's it, and so it, it's just a missed opportunities, and that's what's frustrating. If they were getting blown out of every game, you say, okay, they don't have the players this year. You know, it'll be, you got to build, you got to bring new guys in. But they're in these games and losing them late. I think, I think that's where some of the challenge comes. I, I think you're... You make a fair point, Jared, and I think we see that sometimes with players of like, you know, what kind of leap can they make from season to season? I think the differences in some of that, and I'm sure there's there's case to this. This is probably hyperbole to a certain extent, but it, it, with players, when they do that, you see kind of moments of that during whether it's the freshman or sophomore, you see flashes 
of improvement over the course of that freshman season. And then maybe the leap is much bigger from season to season. I think it just becomes a little bit hard in some of these cases. This doesn't mean that it's it's not going to get better. But I do feel like the ways that they've lost those games and some of the things that we've come on and talked about, above and beyond guys just not being able to make open shots, I don't know that we've seen dramatic changes there, whether that be substitution patterns or you know, the coming out of the second half the same. I, I think I think that's where I pause a little bit on that, where I think you're you're correct that there's room for that, but I just it, it seems hard to believe that we haven't seen glimpses of that as the season has gone along. And maybe this is in the in the heat of the moment saying I haven't seen any of those glimpses, which is probably overstating it, but I don't feel like there have been a lot of glimpses that suggest that evolution of his coaching. And maybe it takes a huge jump, but it just, I don't know. Like I said, it just feels like you'd like to see, obviously, more changes and more even subtle improvements over the course of the season in order to expect a larger improvement from year to year. No, no, I I agree with that wholeheartedly. You know, I just, you know, I, I did the numbers in our private community, you know, and when you look at new coaches their first year in the Big Ten who took over for, you know, coaches who were fired, you know, so something was going wrong. A lot of those guys really struggled in their first year. Peichel, Brad Underwood, you know, guys who are now doing well. And so that's all I'm saying is I think, you know, there are there's some built in disadvantages there that we should see progress early, you know, in year two, certainly by year three. But, you know, but, you know, Ryan, you're right. Given the context of how poorly the program has done, how many NCAA tournaments you've missed. You really needed to see more progress by this year. It just is what it is. That's the job that Woody took, but for sure by next year. And all I'm saying is, you know, there is some historical precedent for that. Um, but, you know, but look, we can't all wait around with unrequited patience. You know, like the the, the payoff is going to have to come quicker. It just is what it is. Um, and unfortunately, tonight was a great night to show that things are different. And unfortunately, what Indiana showed is more of the same. And that is why it is so disappointing. All right. Coming up here in our final segment, uh, we're going to hand out game balls in the Hoosier Hustle Award. Uh, We'll discuss a lingering question or two, and then we'll get Andy's thoughts on where Indiana is from a bracketology perspective. Uh, That is all next on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is Nick Zeisloft. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. 
Thank you, Nick. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Almost 10,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed, and you can join for free at join.assemblycall.com. That's join.assemblycall.com. I'm Jared Morris. Ryan Phillips is here. Andy Bottoms is here. Many, many hundreds of other IU fans are here late into the night commiserating together after Indiana drops another game to Rutgers uh, and surely puts themselves squarely on the outside of the bubble uh, with this loss. Let's hit this segment quickly. Game balls, never fun giving out game balls uh, in a loss. And really, I don't think there are any obvious uh, choices here. You know, statistically, Trace had 19 points, 19 boards. And was you know dynamite at the very <laughs> beginning. Points, nine 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 boards. boards. Sorry, that's what I meant. <laughs> uh, and was great at the beginning of the game. You know, only to really not be heard from much. It, by the way, meaningful moments. That play at the end. I don't know. There's like a minute or two left where he and Race both had really close looks at the basket Bunnies. and both missed. One of those two guys has to make that shot. <laughs> you know, you just you've got to find a way to get the ball in the basket. Oh man. I don't know, guys. I honestly, I'm not, I'm not feeling a game ball. I'm really not. Um, I'll, I'll go to you guys first to see if you can maybe inspire a different thought. If we have to pick one, um, I don't know. I, we've always picked one. We've always found a positive I know. I know. and picked ones. No, I'm, I'm talking myself into it, not you. <laughs> uh, we've all, I guess we've always, we've always found a positive. Uh, I guess I'll have to give it to Trace because they built the lead on his back early and he was yeah. very aggressive early. Uh, very aggressive. Now, I, the whole time I'm thinking, can he keep it up all game? Uh, they went to the zone and really pushed him out. I mean, you know, that was that was part of the reason he wasn't heard from. And again, I think they should have worked him in the high post against that zone instead of maybe race a little bit. Um, pulled him away from the hoop, tried to do something there, uh, especially late when they went back to man to man, pull him away from the hoop, you know, Um but, you know, 19 points, nine rebounds. Statistically, he's the guy. Plus minus was zero. Uh, so at least, you know, he played them them even. Um, but, yeah, I, I'll give it to him. Um, I thought, you know, you could say Ray Thompson just for everything he does, but I thought he had a pretty rough game defensively. Uh, he just had yeah. some tough assignments. It was tough assignments for him, you know, guarding out on the floor when he was guarding Ron Harper. That's that's really tough for him quickness-wise and all that. So I'll give it to, I'll give it to Trace. I do think, and I made this comment on Twitter Trace needs to stop hunting block shots. He he needs to show like he's going to go, but they teams are scouting it now and they're finding his guy when he. We said that shot. in November. We said yep. it in November, and he is getting suckered in constantly. It's clearly a scout now. The teams say drive into the lane. He's going to step up and find his guy, and it's it is continually happening, and it happened a lot tonight. So he's got to adjust his game. Yeah, I mean, at a certain point, production does matter, and that probably needs to kind of be the default game ball in a game like this. So I'll agree with you on Trace. Andy, do you have another thought? Uh, n- not really. I'm I'm fine with that. I don't really. I found myself as you were. I, I found myself coming to the realization toward the end of the last segment. I was like, oh, we got to give out a game ball. So I hurriedly was looking at the box score and was kind of like, I, I think I ended up in roughly the same, uh, the same spot. I don't really know that there was another. Uh, Another clear choice to be to be honest with you, uh, Geronimo was really the only other guy that I would think of, which is a little bit difficult because he only played nine minutes. Um, but yeah, otherwise, not not a lot of clear cut candidates. So if you guys said Trace, it doesn't really matter who I would pick, but that's fine with me. Hey, do we know what happened in Western sectional game? 
I, I, I don't I was, have a text from coach. I was following the score. They had taken, they had got down early in the first quarter, um, came back, I think took the lead at the end of the third, but then I think Peru went on a big run in the fourth quarter. So it looked like they were going to lose, but I didn't actually see the final. Oh, damn. Sorry, coach. Um, all right. Uh, and it is time now. The Hoosier Real Hustle Award, sponsored by our friends at Evansville Security Services, based in the hometown of IU legend Calvert Cheney. Evansville Security Services provides off-duty police officers to businesses and individuals throughout Indiana. Remember, prevention cannot be measured, so let Evansville Security Services help you prevent a bad outcome today. Go to evansvillesecurityservices.com to learn more. That's evansvillesecurityservices.com. Uh... My first instinct is to give this to X because he played hard as usual, and he's usually a guy that you can, you know, reliably give this to, and had some, you know, those steals and the big energy in the second half. But Andy, to your Mulcahy point, to, got Mulcahy to punch him. With he did. He, yeah, <laughs> he pushed him pretty bad on that. Um, yeah, but you know what? He didn't. I take know, a swing. He did it. It worked. Um, but I thought there was a little bit. Because there was more of that tonight, and I think it might have worked against him, I'm actually going to give the Hustle Award to Rob Finnessy, who I thought twice was the first guy diving on the floor after loose balls. And in a game where Indiana lost, I think, because of mental and physical toughness, uh, I thought this was a game where Rob showed both. You know, he played 17 minutes, had two assists, no turnovers, you know, was his usual kind of inefficient self as a shooter, one for four, uh, but did have that big bucket late. And I thought, you know, again was one of the guys that was, you know, and he, you know, didn't back down uh, against Rutgers from a toughness perspective coming off the injury. So uh, I was impressed with Rob's hustle. Uh, today he hustled himself into a couple steals too, or at least one steal and a few deflections. So Rob's my guy for the hustle award tonight. Yeah. Rob's, Rob's a good choice. I'm going to go with Jordan Geronimo though. Um, I'm sorry. When he was nine minutes of hustle and he only played two minutes in the second half, I don't understand why he doesn't play more, um, especially over the last few weeks when he's played, he's played very well. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's the bull in the China shop. Sometimes he fouls a little bit too much, whatever, but he's only going to get better with experience, you know? And, and I feel like he's a guy who they need to play more, um, to give those big guys some more, you know, breaks, mix in some breaks. And I think he plays well with both race and, uh, with both race and TJD. And it allows race to put his back to the basket sometimes. And it allows trace to have some more room because Geronimo usually slides out to the perimeter. Um, I don't know. I don't get it. I thought his first half was really good. Uh, four points. He had a rebound and, and played seven minutes. Second half, two minutes, got a bucket, and uh, got an offensive rebound that was a really big rebound, got fouled on it. So I, I, I got Geronimo. Totally get given it to Fantasy, though. I thought he played very well defensively. Andy, we have a few chat mob votes for Maurice Creek uh, for uh, getting out of the Ukraine. Or yeah, Ukraine. It's not the Ukraine. Good news. That is That's great good news. news for sure. By far the best news of the week for sure. Yeah. Um, do you want to break the tie here on the? Yeah, I, I, I'll go with Geronimo. Although I do the couple plays you mentioned where Finnessy is the first guy diving on the floor. I yeah. thought were uh, were important, but I thought Geronimo came in, played hard. Um, you know, played reasonably well defensively. I think he's gotten better uh, on that end of the floor, and uh, you know, came in in a key situation late, made that made that jumper to you know kind of get things uh you know get iu back on the board there and so i'll go with i'll go with that but I, n certainly no issue with rob either yes and a vote oh i hit the wrong one uh, a vote for uh for libby megan's mom 
uh, one of our long, long time supporters, uh, having a heart procedure done tomorrow. So we wish her the best. Absolutely. Uh, as she goes in, uh, for that, uh, so that she can be back and ready and yelling at the TV and calling stuff out, uh, as Indiana plays in the big 10 tournament. All right, gentlemen. Well, as we look ahead, uh, Indiana now goes to play Purdue on Saturday, which is an interesting game. You know, there was a, a thought here that, okay, hey, Purdue can be playing for, a sh- you know, the Big Ten title and, you know, Indiana maybe, you know, coming off three straight wins and, you know, now, you know, you're almost playing more for seeding than you are to get off the bubble. And instead, Wisconsin bakes in a couple of threes and Purdue might be a little bit deflated because they, you know, aren't going to win the Big Ten and Indiana comes in perhaps deflated because they lost to Rutgers, but it's Indiana-Purdue. And it's a big opportunity for Purdue to close out Big Ten play the right way to avenge that loss from earlier this season. Uh, And, you know, just to beat IU, which we know is all they think about 365 days a year. Uh, And look, for Indiana, it's a huge opportunity. I know that we've all just written in pen that this is a loss, and that is clearly the most likely scenario, given how hard it's been uh, to win up at Mackey. But, you know, now you've you've put yourself in a position where you've got to find a way to go win this game. Uh, and if you do, it's a you know, it, it would be huge. And look, this Purdue team is really good, but they're not unbeatable because of the way that they play defense. Maryland went in there and took them all the way down to the wire. Now, you would assume Purdue would be more focused for this game than they will against Maryland. Um, but, you know, I <clears throat> this game doesn't seem like the kind of just un uh, you know a, a bridge too far like it did earlier in the season again i think it's unlikely the most likely scenario is Purdue probably wins by 10 15 points um but indiana can beat them they beat them once this purdue team can be had if they don't come and shoot the lights out uh and if indiana can go make some shots but it's going to require a lot more mental and physical toughness than we saw tonight so you know and now andy as we look at it from a bracketology perspective you know where do you think indiana is right now um, and how big of a boost, like if they beat, if they win at Purdue, they're in the tournament, right? I mean, I think think? that would put them, I think that would put them back on the right side of the cut line. Um, I I don't know that it is a foregone conclusion at that point. If you lose the first big 10 tournament game, it just depends what other, other people are doing, uh, around them. So, you know, right now I would, uh, have them out. Certainly I had them as one of the last couple teams in coming into today. Um, so I think it, you know, you're hard pressed to, you know, one of the things they had going for them. I don't know how much Rutgers moves up in the net, um, based on based on winning this game. But you know, one of the things you had going for you was you don't have a quad three or quad four loss that changes if assuming Rutgers stays in in quad three, um, and just a lot of opportunities for IU, but not enough wins against tournament caliber teams at this point. So uh, the pretty one would be huge because it gives you another road win for one and a, and a huge, you know, quad one, a road win uh, at that. So uh, while it would certainly help, I don't know that I would say then it's a done deal that they're in, but uh, I, I think if they, certainly if they don't win that game, they, they probably got to get to the title game in the big 10 tournament, which I'm sure everybody is, is really waiting super for. confident about. <laughs> yeah. Everybody feels <laughs> great about that. Uh, all right. Well, <clears throat> we will see what happens. We do have a show before that. We have assembly call radio tomorrow. Uh, so we will, you know, talk some about this game, look big picture. Uh, I don't even know who's going to be on that show. I don't know what we'll talk about. Uh, but we'll have 24 hours to kind of decompress more from this game. Uh, but 
just a disappointing night in Bloomington. You know, I mean, it's it's a three point loss, and I mean the margins are so slim between coming on here and having just a joyous show and feeling great. If just a couple of plays go differently, that's the problem with this program: is the couple of plays always go wrong, and at some point, that's what good teams do: is those plays go right. Maybe not all the time, but like half the time. We're not asking for divine intervention like Wisconsin's getting. Just give it to us half the time, you know, and we'll be fine. Uh, but this Indiana team just cannot seem to do that. And so here we sit uh, in early March yet again uh, on the wrong side of the bubble and, you know, kind of needing to pull something out of our rear here to make the NCAA tournament. Um, hopefully the team can do it. You know, we'll see. Uh, still lots of opportunities there. Um, but it really felt like they needed to get this one. They couldn't. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember to check out our friends at Homefield Apparel. Use the promo code HOME at checkout to get 15% off your first order. That's uh, HOME for 15% off your first order. Gentlemen, let's do last call, Andy. You, or Ryan, do you need to get out? Are you, aren't you yeah, kicked out of your room or something? I am. All right, yeah. well. Um, look, it's just, we've talked about it. missed opportunities has been the story of this season. Um, I'm not going to focus on that. We've talked that as Andy said, we've beaten that to death all year. It's, it's true. We all know it. And, you know, again, would rather talk about burritos. Um, but I, I will say, you know, the thing we haven't really talked about is race Thompson's senior speech. Um, look, if he's able to, I think Ray should come back next year. I love watching him play. I think he's been the heart and soul of this program. Um, I think that if he does come back, given the way his game has expanded, particularly late this year, I think he'd be a candidate for Big Ten Player of the Year next year. I really do. And I think that it would be wonderful to see him back in Indiana uniform. If not, wish him well. I'm sad that he's played five years in Indiana. And again, there's a slim chance they make the NCAA tournament. But in five years, this program hasn't gotten him to the tournament. And that's that's really sad. And it really sucks. Uh, because that guy plays all heart. And, and he you know, is an all effort guy. And I would be fine renaming the, the hustle award after him because I think he does so many things on a basketball court that help you win games. So race Thompson, we've, we've loved watching you at assembly hall. Um, you know, I, I hope this isn't the last time we see you play there. Um, and it's been, it's been, uh, ever since we saw, ever since we did, I remember doing the scouting report on his high school highlight tape and really loving him and, and thinking this was going to be a guy who'd have a great career at IU. He has had a great career. Um, with some ups and downs and, and, and some obstacles and all of that. But I feel like he's been a, a really good contributor to this program. And I would love, love, love to see him come back next year. Um, but, you know, he did speak tonight. So maybe he's, he's done. He's been on campus for five years. I get it if he wants to move on. Yeah, Coach Woodson's quote said, I'm very proud of them. They are going to be missed. So I don't know if you read anything into the definitiveness there of the statement. But we'll just, you know, we'll wait and see. By the way, why was it so hard to watch and listen to the senior speeches? Like I happened to, you know, be listening just, to the pregame show on the varsity app. So I, I just, just, I popped them on there, but I feel like everybody who wasn't at the game had a hard time. Broadcast them, broadcast them live on you on Twitter. Like yeah, why not? Like, or Facebook. Yeah, I feel like they did that last year or the last couple. They of have years. done it before. So yeah, not sure. Mm. All right, Andy, last call. Yeah. I mean, as opposed to um, reliving, portions of the game i think what ryan said is is appropriate and he talked about race thompson and uh you know i guess I, i'll talk a little bit about parker stewart uh i know dustin depirak tweeted out uh you know that parker has some um uh, the way he put it has some trouble with speaking so he pre-recorded his statement which i did not get a chance to hear but it, you know they talked about what you know it had meant for him being here after 
what he'd gone through with losing his dad. I think coach has a, a story about, um, you know, Parker and some of the the speaking things that he may or may not want to, um, you know, want to share just from being at a, a press conference, I think that he was at or media day or, or something to that effect. Um, Mm-hmm. I guess what I would say is, um, and I, I joke, I, I kind of jokingly said this about you when I aired to you when I came on here, since I was on the Twitter account tonight. Um, I guess just keep in mind what some of these kids have gone through and, um, no, nobody I'm sure feels worse about missing the shots that he missed tonight than he does. Um, but I don't, you know, but he kept shooting and made a big one that tied up the game and, and looked like it might send it to, you know, to overtime. And, uh, I, I struggle to imagine what it would have been like as a college athlete to go through what he went through. Um, I guess I would just say, you know, thank you to him. If this is it for him at IU, um, glad he chose to spend his, you know, final year playing college basketball, at least what it seems like, like here. And, uh, just seems like a really good kid. Who's, uh, been through things that many of us would not have dealt very well with, uh, in college on our own, let alone, being an athlete and uh, I guess just give these guys a little bit of grace that I think sometimes uh, they've not gotten. The season has been disappointing. I've been disappointed in it. I've been disappointed in the coaching, Um, but man, just seeing some of the stuff that came through, even on our account, I can't imagine what other, other stuff there is. And I know that's, that's the minority and I shouldn't assume that that's what everybody is, but um I don't know. Just a, a tough night for as tough as it was. We, t- you know, I talked earlier about you could see how disappointed race was about different parts of it. You can be sure that Parker Stewart is every bit as disappointed. And uh, like I said, thank him for his his year with IU. Wish him the best. And uh, who knows? Maybe things will turn around on Saturday. We'll be here watching, rooting for him just the same. And uh, I guess that's. I don't know if that's a better way to finish than actually talking about the game, but at least it's different. So that nah, uh, is. I mean, I'll, I'll wrap it up with that. Yeah, no, we we've beaten that too. You know, there's there's not much else to say about the game. I'm glad you said what you said uh, about Parker and about race, and obviously we'll talk more about you know those guys and their time at IU. You know, once there's kind of a definitive statement on on what they're doing, um, you know, it does seem. I guess if you're just reading the tea leaves, you know that only I know they said don't read into it, but the fact that only a couple guys you know did their senior speeches, you know, race has been here for five years. It seems like it's probably likely that both those guys are moving on. You know, they're both older guys and, and, you know, probably ready for something else. So I think they both could play a role on next year's team. So we'll wait and see. But, you know, to your point about, you know, the the assembly call mentions uh, on Twitter and, and, and some of that other stuff and keeping this stuff in perspective. I don't remember who I don't remember who tweeted this out. And I don't even remember what fan base they were talking about. But he was like, damn, like. Do you guys like your team? Do you want your team to win? Because I don't know. And I feel like sometimes you get, I mean, you're going to get that with any fan base. You know, that's kind of the point. And, you know, I think times like this, it gets really hard. We're all frustrated. Things aren't going how we want it to. There's lots of things to nitpick and critique and all of that stuff. All I will say, you know, because I think this came up when, you know, Xavier Johnson was talking about, you know, the impact of social media and some of that stuff. And I talked with Tamar, you know, about this on the latest edition of the Inside Scoop. And he has a pretty good perspective on it, you know, because he just deleted it off his phone. And I think other guys look at it more. But it's like, it's fair, I think. We've built our whole show around this to come on here and critique and analyze and talk about that stuff. But if you send something out publicly about your own team, 
the guy, if the guy happens to read it, which he might, he should know that you're on his side. That's all I'm saying. And so I know that we're all frustrated and we're pessimistic about how things are going to go and like all this stuff. But let's be supportive of the program. And for the stuff that we're going to put out publicly, you know, let's just think about if that's how we want the IU fan base represented and if that's the message we want being sent to the actual player. So, you know, and, and losses like this bring out the worst because it brings out all the frustration and, you know, the floodgates of really more than six years, you know, 30 years, however long it's been of frustration. So that's all I will say about that. Um, and I'll just, I'll tip my cap to Rutgers. Uh, they came in and, and took this, you know, we've had to sit here and watch Geo Baker and Ron Harper and these guys beat us for three straight years. Um, and I think the, you know, what Steve Peichel has built, you know, the mental and physical toughness that his team plays with and the identity that they have, we got to get there, man, because part of the reason why Indiana basketball is where it is, is we just don't, we, we really, our identity is tradition and that's cool. That's a nice building block, but that doesn't help you win games today. And it's got to be more than that. We've got to figure out who we are as a program, you know, what we're going to do, what we're going to be, because right now there's a lot of big 10 programs that know that the Wisconsin's, the Purdue's, the Rutgers, and that's why we lose more often than not to those programs. And that is going to continue happening until we get some stability and get some identity. Right now we have tradition and talented players. And it just, it takes more in the Big Ten to win than that. So this was just another lesson uh, in that we don't need any more lessons. (laughs) We've learned the lessons, or at least we know the lessons. Now I guess we've got to show that we've learned them. Uh, We're not as far along this season, I think we all hoped we would be. But this team still has an opportunity Saturday at Purdue in the Big Ten tournament to to turn it around. The the goals are still there. We may take a more circuitous route, a more indirect route than we thought. But if this team can go win some games here uh, over the next uh, six, seven days, they can still achieve their goals. We'll be here rooting for them, supporting them, talking about it after the game. And we hope that you will be here with us uh, and certainly with the team as well. Okay, uh, that is going to do it for this edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to join.assemblycall.com to join our free email newsletter. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for the music that you hear on this show. And special thank you to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing our logo, rigdesign.com. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU Hoops again with you tomorrow night for AC Radio. Until then. Take it from me, native Hoosier Mark Titus. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Yeah, it's a good one to end on. (laughs) (laughs) I got nothing else. Man, yeah, I'm, just, I'm not sure one to end on that's better than that is is there to dig through and dig for. You know what really sucked at the end there? So I was watching, I was watching the game without audio um, because it was just it was kind of a disaster bedtime. Like my daughter didn't fall asleep, and then my son didn't fall asleep, so I ended up like rocking him to sleep. So I'm watching the game on TV with him in my arms and no audio. I'm just sitting there like hoping he doesn't wake up. But man, like I really felt for a while in the second half, like we're up by seven. It's like, okay, like we got this. And it's like, man, with every minute that it ticks closer and closer to the end of regulation, my confidence just was dropping. (laughs) I got more and more worried. And it's like, I think we were down three with like a minute 45 
And I'm thinking to myself, dude, the game is not over. I'm like trying to like talk, like give myself a pep talk. I'm like, this game is not over. But I sat there feeling like there's no way that we can win, which I hate. Like I hate not, but it was just my visceral reaction to the moment, you know, seeing those guys. It's like if they need to make a shot, they're going to make it and we're not going to be able to make one. And for God's sakes, yeah. that's what actually happened. Hard, hard not to feel like that creeps into the guys playing the game too. Which I know, I know. I I probably give them credit for being a little bit more mentally tough than than you or I are. But I find yes. myself thinking the same <laughs> yes. thing of like, man alive, you just what you know? How do you how do you not find a way? But and, and I think part of it is a little bit who they were playing. I mean, not to beat the Rutgers thing into the ground completely, but just knowing the shots that you know baker and and harper have hit not just against iu but over the course of time and it's like you got two guys over there who are not even the least bit afraid of this moment no and that is an unsettling feeling when you you don't really feel the same about um you know necessarily about iu in that in that vein but yeah all right man well i know you got to go do bracketology stuff yeah, it seems like a lot these, of crazy these are the late stuff. nights I, I, for you. Uh, yeah, luckily I'm not having to update stuff daily, but it's trying to keep track of some of the stuff. I've flipped the Auburn game on my phone. They were about to lose, but they're in overtime. They look like they're okay. But yeah, a lot of other bubble teams not really playing very well. Um, Good. There's a group of ACC teams that, uh, like Notre Dame lost, which certainly doesn't help I use case. Xavier <laughs> is going, and I had a, a good friend of mine's a Xavier fan. He texted me and after the IU game he was like yeah I think our programs it's like watching the same game over and over and over again <laughs> he goes it seems like IU's point the problem is getting a lead and not being able to hold on to it he goes Xavier's problem is they never get the lead in the first place anymore <laughs> so not sure if that's better or or not but the uh, Jerome Hunter breakout has not happened I take it uh it, it is not I've watched a few of their games it it, it has not <laughs> well all right, man. Yes. All right. Well, we'll. Uh, I don't know what. I don't know when. I don't even know what we're doing tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know when I'll talk next. I know I'm not on because it's Jen's birthday. So. Yeah, you are not on. I don't know. We'll just. I don't know. We'll just come on here and play a tape of the Iowa game from 2016 or something when we when we did close games like this out. <laughs> I think people. I think people could use that right now. To be fair, um, yes. I think that might be good for all involved. To be honest. So, yeah, I mean, anyway. Tom Crean's not going to be doing anything here in a couple weeks, so maybe he can come teach us how to be a champion. Oh, boy. I, so they put up, I saw someone tweet earlier today, you know, there's like there's like 1,700,000 permutations of what the, the SEC tournament could be, except there's one spot set in stone. It's Georgia. <laughs> 14. 14. Yeah. All the other ones are up for grabs. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, Okay. All right. All right. Well, on that note, on that awesome note, let's go to bed. (laughs) All right. Thanks for being here, everybody. Appreciate it. See y'all. Talk to you tomorrow. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.